Welcome to the Bruce Bright Breakdown. My name is Dr. Bruce Bright. I'm a Marine fighter pilot, retired, did uh, 28 years in the Marine Corps. Following that, went to school, got my doctorate in psychology, and now a coach. What we're going to do on the Bruce Bright Breakdown is we're going to break down each guest as they bring in their topic. So I'll invite guests in. It'll be from many different backgrounds. So the guests can bring the topic of their choice. Of course, they're vetted by me before they make the show. But if they make the show, it's going to be good. It's going to be informative. And once they lay out their material, I promise you I'll break it down. So we're going to get to the Bruce Bright Breakdown each and every week. I hope you join us. It's going to be fun, exciting, informative, and I think you'll love it. So join us right here on the Bruce Bright Breakdown. Okay, so the Bruce Bright Breakdown, we've got uh, Dave Gibson with us today. I'm going to start here with a little bit of what I know, and then, uh, and then Dave, I'm going to have you just tell us your story because it's an amazing one. So I retired in 2007, so shortly thereafter, uh, I started my own business. The first company I started was called On Target Leading, and I needed a website. So here, very little old Birmingham, Alabama, started asking around, and the same name kept popping up. Talk to David Gibson, talk to David Gibson. So I did. I talked to this cat named David Gibson. That was in 2000, probably eight or so. Uh, built me one website, then a second one, and has been my IT counselor for since I first said hello to him. Beautiful family, two little girls, beautiful wife. I'm not going to tell the whole story about what he's doing now, but Dave, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to kind of start. First off, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Today's show, if I were to title it, it's, it's Entrepreneurship 101, and Gibson is a master at it. So I'm going to ask you to just kind of start, if you would go back as far as you're willing to go and tell us how you started, and then we'll end up with, with, the, with the surprise that we're going to tell everybody at the end of what you're doing now. <laughs> okay, no problem. Kind of funny. This this whole thing for me started almost in you know nineteen eighty four eighty five in high school. Uh, I took a class on how to program computers. It was in basic, and back then nobody touched computers. I mean, this was you know complete geek world, and, and I, I liked it a lot, and it was fun. And and uh, it kind of through college, I had a computer, and I always played around on it. I was the only kid who had a color printer uh, in, in college. So we'd always print our stuff on my, my computer. I had, a, I had a home computer, which most people didn't. This is a 90, uh, 91, 92. And after I graduated, I really didn't think about computers. I was going to be in, in marketing. Ended up bopping around to a few different jobs. I uh, moved to Birmingham and ended up working at a gym, which was what I had done in college. And I ran into a guy named Sanjay Singh, who you probably know from I Birmingham. Don't. And Sanjay said, you need to go work at this place called QuickLink. It's a, they're building websites. It's amazing. I said, I don't know how to build websites. He said, no, man, you sell them. <laughs> you don't build them. I said, great. So this is in, um, I mean, this was 96. Yeah, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Nobody was building websites back then. We, we sold a few. Nobody had computers back then. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, I remember selling one to the city of Hoover, and they were like, well, we'll do it because we have some budget money for it. We don't know why we need it. Um, I was like, hey, I'll take your budget money. Yeah. And I, I did that for about two years. The company was really small and they didn't know how to price things, didn't know how to pay people. We didn't know how to really get them built. They were also selling internet access, like dial-up internet access. And that's really where the money was back then. I mean, this was so long ago. It was, I mean, it was 33K dial-up internet access was was the door. Um, fast. Yeah. I mean, people were paying for browsers back then. You you actually paid $39 for Internet Explorer uh, in those yeah. days. 
Well, I enjoyed the, the idea of that. And I ended up going to work in telecom. I went to work for a startup, a telecom startup in Birmingham, and ended up at AT&T selling digital network solutions. Uh, uh, AT&T was selling hosting and then high-speed internet for businesses. It was $800 for a T1 connection, which is you'd be crying right now if all you had was a T1. Right. <laughs> um, so kind of enjoyed that. But after the after Y2K, there was some downsizing at AT&T. And I ended up working at an ad agency uh, in Birmingham. And it was there about two years. Enjoyed the challenges. But we were selling big websites to big companies like Toyota. Um, and it was good experience. But it wasn't for me. It wasn't fast enough. It was these big projects. It took a lot of, you know, detail. And, and I kind of thought to myself that there's, there, there had to be a little different way to do this. So my idea was to bring those big scale solutions to small businesses. And really, I didn't know how to build websites. So what I was going to do was go in and consult with people about what was wrong with their website, which at that time was basically everything. So the idea is if somebody would, would hire me, I'd make them a laundry list of here's the 20 things you need to go fix from a marketing perspective. And from a programming perspective, back then, and this is in 2003, the guy who built the website was usually the IT guy. So he also fixed the printers and did not want to deal with the website at all. Back in 90, the first job at QuickLinks, the way I would sell them was I would call companies and say, hey, I was trying to go online and learn about your company, maybe maybe do some business with y'all. What's your website address? And they'd say, oh, we don't have one. And I'd let about two days go by. I'd call them back and go, hey, I'd like to come talk to you about buying a website. <laughs> you got a website? I can <laughs> and they go, we were just talking about that. Well, by the time I got to, um, uh, to 2003, most companies had some presence. But it was not high up the priority list for people who are starting businesses. It was pretty far down the list. Back then, people started their business with a business card, you know, and then letterhead, and some thank you cards, and some envelopes. Mm-hmm. Um, today, people buy domain names, so they're thinking about <laughs> – what they want to be when they grow up, you know? So in 2003, I started uh, Zeke officially. Okay, so, hey, stop, stop right here for a second because I want the listeners to know. Sure. So, 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 guys, what you've heard so far is the beginnings of what's getting ready to explode. And everything, if you, if you, I want the listeners to realize what's happening here, you've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I, I've always known you as an entrepreneur. So when I, I've never known you to be an employee anywhere except your own companies. So, uh, you sure. know, I met you, I met you, this is kind of where I start meeting you is after you started this company called Zeke Interactive. But I just want anybody out there that is thinking about being an entrepreneur to listen to the way that you think. The comment about, I make a call, I say, I'm looking for some, whatever you've got, what's your website address? And they go, oh, I don't got one. You wait 48 hours, call them back, go, hey, you need a website? That is, that is, that is Dave Gibson right there. That's the guy, that's the Dave Gibson I know. Um, I will also tell the listeners this before you go into the next phase here, which is Zeke. When you when you call Dave Gibson, at least I do, and I, I probably should have put the disclaimer out. We are really close friends. Uh, I know his family well. I know him. I love him like a brother. But I think it's with anybody. I don't think I'm special. When you call Dave Gibson with a problem, these are the words that Dave Gibson uses. I can figure it out. And he has yet to let me down. So this this is super powerful entrepreneurship one-on-one for anyone out there listening that wants to own their own business. Listen how listen how Dave Gibson went from, in his own words, he didn't know shit from Shaola when it comes to building websites or computers or those kind of things. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed the computer part. 
And I'm going to let him start, you know, continue now. Listen to what happens when he starts this company, Ziki Interactive. Okay, Dave, all yours. Uh, what I was doing early was just telling people what was wrong with their stuff. And what I realized was I caused a lot of anxiety. I'd go in and say, here's the 10 things are wrong or 20 things wrong. And that's kind of like telling somebody they got a pimple. Like they know it. They want it fixed. So the next thing that happens, they'd say, well, how much to fix all this? And I go, whoa, 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 that's, that's not me. I don't, I don't fix them. I just tell you to fix them and change your branding and make this make sense. And this is spelled wrong and this form doesn't work. And, you know, there'd always be 20 things I could find in about 30 minutes that need to be fixed. What I found out was these people didn't, for the most part, remember who built the website. The IT guy didn't want to touch it. There were companies out there throwing these things up as, as good as they could, and they were expensive. So I thought, well, maybe what I should do is just figure out how to do some simple websites and build them myself. So I got a product, a program called Dreamweaver, and I would literally go on the internet to bigger websites and download the code and go look how they built it. And so I found a few people out there who will trust me. It's kind of funny. One of them was, I mean, he was a Ziki customer after the day I sold the company. And he lives down here in Daphne now, which is kind of fun. He had a, he had a, a, a VIP like a parking company called Avia Parking. And I said, he goes, well, how much would the website be? And I said, well, I think it'd be about $600. He said, well, how long will it take you? I said, I have no idea. But if you give me $300 now, I'll work on it till it's done. And it took me probably five or six weeks to figure out how to get him four pages with pictures of his cars on there and a form they could fill out to contact him. And I had a, a buddy of mine who's named Paul and Paul helped me kind of, he would do more of the building part and I do more of the design idea part. And we were pretty good. You know, we were selling websites and I realized then I'd read a book, uh, talked about advertising and agencies. And it said that, you know, when you own an ad agency, all of your inventory walks out the door, you know, and down the elevator every night that you really don't have a company that you could ever sell or do anything with. Because when you, all you do is creative work, somebody can't buy that. They can buy your reputation, but people buy technologies, they buy contracts, they buy relationships, they, they buy that. They don't buy a bunch of work you did three years the ago. Creative juices. Yeah. So, so I knew then that, that, what I was going to do is build a hosting company behind Ziki. And it was really easy because I would say, hey, we'll build your website and we'll host it for you, which you need. And we'll actually give you email addresses, which you need. And we'll be available to do support and maintenance for you. And I basically would give people some options. I'd say, well, your company is this size or your company is this size. You need 30 minutes a month or you need two hours a month or whatever it was. We would give them a, a number and then we let them roll it over. So in your case, Bruce, you got 30 minutes a month. And if you didn't use your 30 minutes, you'd have an hour the next month or three hours, you know, a few months later to use. And what that did was it, it allowed people not to feel like they were getting nickel and dimed. And that's the thing I heard repeatedly from people when I was talking about getting things fixed. They said, it cost me $85 to change my phone number on that website. Nobody calls me anyway. So what do I care? Yeah. I remember meeting with a, with a very prominent eye doctor in Birmingham. I said, well, you know, Three out of five people use the uh, the internet to find phone numbers, not the yellow pages. I know you're spending two double full-page ads in the yellow pages. What if you put some of that money into, into the internet? He said, I don't believe you. I said, I'll come just tell you what I, what I know. Well, he got up at the bar we were at and went and interviewed people. And he came back. He said, well, you're wrong. I said, really? He said, yes, four out of five people. How soon can you get my websites fixed? 
Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. You're so, underestimating it. Yeah. By the way, by the way, the story you're telling, I'm part of it because all those things you're saying to customers is exactly what you said to me when I came to you and said, I need a website. I need you to host it because I don't know what that means. I need email addresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things. This is exactly what Gibson did to own target. The first company I had own target leading. This is the exact, I mean, he's telling the story of what he did with me and he also did it. We're going to tell him how many you did it to in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, keep, keep the story rolling. I think it was, I did, I did it for them, not to them. First. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, during that time, I, we had a lot of fun. Uh, the company, I, I remember I had, had been there, I had about, about two years. I was working on my extra bedroom and I was at the point where I couldn't do anymore. And my CPA at the time said, you know, if you get into an office, he said, two years from today, your business will be, will be, you'll be 300% bigger than you are right now. And I said, what? And he said, if you get into an office, he said, you'll, you'll, you will, you know, grow 300, this business 300%. That's just, just the math. And I said, well, that, that's interesting. And one of my clients was a, was a great group. Um, most people in Birmingham have heard of the Bruno event team, uh, read by Gene Hallman and Ronnie Bruno. And so they were a client. And I noticed they had a bunch of empty cubes in their in their building, so I went to them and said, "What if I make you a deal to give me some of these empty cubes, and I'll give you a deal on your websites, and you basically have an in-house agency? We're going to charge you, but we're going to also pay you rent, and you'll have people, you know, at your fingertips whenever you need something done or changed." And they said, "This sounds great." So I think I it was spending twelve hundred dollars a month, and I think I had four cubes, which. Good deal. So two, it was on two eighties. Great, great building. I mean, uh, I mean, Merrill Lynch was in there. We were, we were high rollers. Yeah, I've been there. And uh, I had a, I had one guy who who came to me and he w- he was looking for a job and I was like I was like I don't know if I can pay this guy forty hours a week. So I found another one of my buddies and I said, Hey, could you use this guy twenty hours a week? He said, Yeah. I said, Okay, I can use him twenty. And so we split him. And um, he was fine with it. He was just glad to have a job uh, programming. He did a great job for me. I mean, he really was a hard worker and dedicated. We, I didn't know what to do with him. I, I was telling myself, well, if I don't have him busy for the full 20 hours a week, maybe he washed my car. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what am I going to do to keep this guy busy? Well, within three months, I had him working 40 hours a week for me, and we were out looking for not person number two or three. We it went to a few people because we didn't know what we were looking for. And this is in 2005, 2006. There wasn't a skill set for yeah. this. We you're were training. kind of making the rules up as we went. You're yeah. training them as you go. Right before I had, had moved into the Bruno Event Team building, you'll like this story. I had been sitting in my, my extra bedroom at my, my house and was thinking, who would be the coolest client to work for? And I was on you know my computer listening to Radio Margaritaville. And I thought, well, Jimmy Buffett would be pretty, pretty cool. So I called them. Uh, I emailed them first, trying to find out who the right person was, and then finally I ended up getting connected to a a guy at Radio Margaritaville, and I said, "Y'all need my help. This stuff's terrible." He said, "I know we need help." I said, well, "We need to. We need to. You know, let me help you." Well, we went round and round for for a few weeks on what all they needed help with, and you know, timelines. And he had a, another full time job. Um, and as a coincidence, he was the CTO of a company that I worked with at AT and T. So we kind of had some. So yeah, I was like, "Well, this is neat," um, but the story gets a little wilder. Uh, I had traveled a lot with AT&T and had a ton of Hilton points. And I got this email from Hilton that said, hey, we'd like you to come for two nights free at the Hilton in uh, Las Vegas and come to the grand opening of the Margaritaville 
restaurant and hear Jimmy Buffett play a concert. And I said, well, this is fantastic. It's all free and I have no money. So this all worked out great. I was just burning some Hilton points, right? So I, I flew out to Las Vegas and I went to the Buffett concert by myself, just chilling out. And went to get in the hotel, go to the room after the show, got in the elevator. This couple gets in and these these two ladies get in and they are done up from head to toe in complete Buffett stuff. Parrot heads. And, you know, six, yeah, yeah. Six of us are all kind of, or five of us are all kind of staring at each other. And the the guy goes, we all act like y'all are pretty big fans. They said, well, yeah, we are. And he goes, well, here's here's some guitar picks. And uh, I said, guitar picks, where did you get these? And he said, well, backstage. And so how did you go backstage? He goes, well, I'm with Radio Margaritaville. And I looked over, I said, is your name Coleman? <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, I'm Dave Gibson. He said, holy shit. And uh, now we meet, three now days we meet later, person. they had me. In an elevator. <laughs> yeah, in an elevator. And, and a few days later, they hired me to help build rebuild Radio Margaritaville, which was awesome. And about six months into that project, Sirius XM stepped in and basically took over all the branding and everything for, Siri, for, for the, the station. And they said, well, we don't have much for you to do here. Can you go help Lucy down in, down in, in, in Gulf Shores? You're in Alabama, right? I said, yeah. So I went down to Gulf Shores and met Lucy Buffett, his sister, and worked for her for about 18 years. I mean, she's just fantastic and great people. And, you know, I guess kind of the point of that story is you always going to have that client out there who you think would be amazing to work for. And you'd be surprised what could happen if you, if you go if for you it. Just because ask. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, they're big believers in song lines in Margaritaville, and people can look that up. But but I, look, you know, I am big, too. Wait, they're big believers in what? Song lines. It's a it's an idea that that people cross paths for reasons. S U N sun lines. No S O S O N G song lines. Okay, you look yeah. it up, Bruce. Uh, and so it was a lot of fun working with them. So kind of to kind of bring you back up to speed. At the time, I knew I was going to, you know, it was all about building a hosting company. Let me jump in here for a second. Sure. So, again, anybody out there that's thinking about being an entrepreneur, look at what Dave did. He he didn't sit in his second bedroom waiting for somebody to call him. He calls damn Jimmy Buffett's organization and figures out how to get to a guy that can say yes then he ends up in Vegas, meets a guy in the elevator. Next thing you know, he's working with, with with the sister down in Gulf Shores. I've been to her restaurant down there. It's wonderful. And I know you did a lot of work with that, too. But the answer is go out there, kill it, and bring it home, put it on the fire. And that's, I mean, that's what I love about Dave Gibson is he is a, he is an I can make it happen kind of guy. I've seen it over and over. And you're going to, when we continue the story, you're going to see it gets better as we go. Uh, okay. So now we're back to, we're, <laughs> now we're back to, you got the, do you Google it? Song lines? Yeah. Okay. We're we're gonna we're gonna Google song lines to give you a definition. All right, we're back now. Okay. We're back to Zeki, the hosting company. Yeah, so we um about two thousand when we moved into, into the Burn Event team office, I brought a partner in the company. You know, you know David Clark. He came in and um he was in charge of sales, and I was basically doing production, running the the production and and support, and then I was also the accountant and the HR guy and the lawyer. And the uh, mm-hmm. PR guy, everything else, and, and everything else. Uh, and there's things I like better than others, but you know, we were still chasing cash. I mean, it was you know, it's expensive to hire people. It's expensive to run servers and buy software. And things were 
didn't quite have the economies of scale you have now on some of this stuff. There was no WordPress. There was no Squarespace. There was no, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff, even clip art was hard to find back then. In fact, when we were about this time, you couldn't put a picture on a website without going through somebody like me. The idea of video on a website was foreign to people. YouTube was just becoming something. You couldn't even embed them in websites. You could link to a YouTube video. We were navigating all of that while really focusing on SEO for clients SEO to help them get search engine optimization, okay. to help them get ranked and found in search engines. Uh, we were also trying to help them with email marketing. Uh, there was no there was no social media back at this time. There was no Facebook, no Instagram, none of that stuff existed. So if you had a website, the only way you could tell people about it was through really email blasts were the best thing out there. Um, I remember at Lulu's, we were trying to gather email addresses to build a database. And we basically said, hey, we're, we're going to you know give away a cut to the front of the line free card you know, one, one a week for the summer. So just give us your email address and you'll be entered to win. We got thousands of email addresses over something that cost us nothing, which is yeah, great. Yeah, Lulu's, by the way, Lulu's, that's Jimmy Buffett's sister's restaurant, right? Correct. Okay. And it, it's a, a place on the you know, on the Gulf. There's a three-hour wait to get in during the summertime. So to give somebody three hours of their vacation back is much more effective than giving somebody a $50 gift card. Yeah. So so we kind of learned the value of, of you know, of people put on email. And then you create campaigns. You start helping them communicate. You start designing emails and doing email blasts and you know, there's a lot of legal with that. What does it have to have on there? How do you not get blocked by spam filters? So we were learning a ton of this stuff. And we kind of had to learn as we go. I mean, you know, we, we had to, like, we, we've made a sale. We had to have contracts. Well, everything in the contract was a result of something going wrong somewhere else in the organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think the story here is you were, you were creating as you go because it wasn't there. It wasn't there. Yeah. And, what, you, you, were, and, and, you were making it happen. Yeah. Another thing we did was kind of, I think it was, helped us a lot was we made, good friends with other ad agencies. A lot of them didn't have website departments. So we just kind of stepped in and said, hey, we'll act as your, as your ad department. We'll charge you a lower rate, but you do everything. You sell it, you hand it to us ready to go. We'll put it together for you. We'll host it for you <laughs> mm-hmm. and do the maintenance when you need it. And that worked great. We had some great relationships with ad agencies. They would bring us you know, multiple projects. But the, the thing about Ziki that was, when I sold it, we were built for speed. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go out and walk into Regions Bank and try to sell them a $100,000 website or Blue Cross Blue Shield because I was having to compete with people who thought a little different than I did, did things a little different than I did. And ultimately, our, our infrastructure was designed to build lots of websites really fast. Yep. Um, so we, and we, we try to use that in our favor. So on the average, Ziki launched about 20 websites a month. Now, most companies who did what we did would launch three to five websites a month. So it was a lot of, you know, go, 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 and a lot of maintenance support tickets because clients needed us to make those changes and updates. And so the support team became pivotal. And I went through several different software platforms to find the right one. We landed on one that was fantastic and saved our, our bacon a lot. And all along the way, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having to learn some hard lessons. People didn't like tracking their time. And what I tried to do was explain to them why we needed it and why it was important and, you know, how it helped the company. And when that fell on deaf ears, I learned that, well, I'll just hire people who don't mind entering their time. And that seemed to work a lot better for me. <laughs> yeah, right. And I've been to your, you know, at the height of Ziki, 
I've been to your, because I, I did some coaching with you all. I've been in there and seen where mm-hmm. you've got a room full, I don't know, 20, 40 people all head down and doing their thing, whether it was support or building or designing. Uh, it was, it was, it was quite impressive. And the Thanks. turnaround time, I, I mean, I know you're, you're all about the small business guys. So let's, let's do 20 small businesses, not one regions. Uh, yes. At least that seemed to be your model. It was because tw- to me, 20, 20 small businesses meant 20 referrals. You know, if we do a good job, it meant 20 hosting contracts, which was great for long term. We were really careful. Like we did not, I didn't lock anybody in the contract. It was not, a, it was month to month on everybody because if I don't like you, I want to get rid of you. Like if you're terrible, if you're terrible to my people, I don't want to, <laughs> I want you, I, don't, I want yeah. you gone. I only feel I had to fire a few clients that way. But, but more importantly, I don't want somebody sitting around going, oh, I'm stuck with these guys at Zeke. Blah, 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 blah. You're not, you can go whatever you want to. Yep. But we had less than a 1%, you know, churn rate which ultimately became very, very, very valuable to the company in time. So to me, it was like, we don't sell websites. We sell a service. We're a service business. And that was hard to train people in because the natural tendency for employees was to want to work on cooler, bigger stuff. And when I walk in and say, we're doing another law firm, it was like, ugh, you know. Now, we did have some cool stuff that came in the door. I mean, we worked with, I think we had five clients on Shark Tank. That's pretty cool. You know, and for somebody who's, you know, this is their first job writing code or being a programmer or, or uh, they're out of school and just into a job. That's something kind of cool to put on the resume is, you know, I worked on this or I worked on that. So we had some, some big names. We worked with the USGA and the, the Bruno event team. We did all the websites for the U.S. Women's Open and U.S. Senior Open. We worked with Bass Pro Shop. But it was all about just trying to find the right niche. And, to, you know, Sanjay and I are still dear friends. And he, he'd always say, you know, the thing about Zeke that was good is it's no drama. You know, no drama. It's it's easy. There wasn't much we couldn't fix for somebody. You know, something wasn't going the way they wanted it to. At any given time, we'd have a hundred websites in production. Well, the reality was we could only touch six or ten a week because the clients were on hold for different reasons. And we built all sorts of internal processes to track that and try to improve that and. You know, I used to kind of tell people, we do not get paid to build websites. We get paid to launch websites. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, so I was so I was guilty of that, too. I remember you were waiting on me to, you know, your your designer would email me and say, all right, Dr. Bright, we need this, that, and the other thing. And then you would have to wait for me to give you the information. So that that puts my website on hold. You move to another one. Yep. And and, and so that was a little, that was something that was a little challenge, too, because a lot of companies, and this is what the, the bigger agencies would do, is they'd say, Hey, hey, Dr. Bright, here's your stuff. I want you to read it and tell me it's good. I'll put it on your website for you. Whereas we were saying, hey, send me, send me your bio. So I think that there's things we could have done, you know, if I had an internal writer and we could have said, hey, if you provide the content, here's the price. Or if we provide the content, here's the price. I, I probably would have kept that person super, super busy, yeah. but I just never pulled the trigger on hiring that person. I did later in the company hire the, pull the trigger on hiring a photographer because we were always up on pictures. Of course, I was married to her, so it was a little bit easier to justify. She was a really pretty <laughs> photographer. I remember her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little easier to cost justify uh, doing that when, when you know, it stays in the family. But it was certainly, you know, it, it paid off huge. I mean, uh, at one point, we were selling $100,000 of photography a year. And she, she wasn't making nearly that much. So there, there was definitely profit in, in that equation. But again, the, the, the point of hiring somebody in to do that job wasn't to sell $100,000 of photography. I was looking at it as 
I no longer have to wait on the person to tell me they're going to get their headshots to me. I say, you be ready on Thursday. We'll be there with a the camera. That's right. We'll make the headshots happen. I remember one guy told me he was he was ready to um, – he wanted to see his design. And I and it's, could we have the pictures in it that she had taken? I said, I'm not going to do that. He says, what? I said, you owe me bios on those people. I'm not letting you see that page till I have those bios. He's like, are you serious? I said, yep. <laughs> yeah. So you hold it hostage. Give me the I damn know, pictures. I know you want to see it. <laughs> Give so, me the pictures, so Let's get this done, right? Well, so, so um, let me let me jump in again here because sure. I, I hope everybody is seeing that. Um, I mean, you you made the comment. I mean, I would tell people that Zeke builds websites because you did f- fabulous work for me. But you tell your employees, who by the way, a whole bunch of your employees are these creative minds. So to get them to think more business like, when you you know you said, okay, we don't get paid to build them, we get paid to launch them, or we don't get paid to do gigantic ones. I want you to do. 100 small ones, not 10 big ones. For a creative person, that's that's hard for them to, to live with. But you you had you had a whole company full of very creative people that were doing that. But the one thing I will tell you that, that made Gibson's stuff work is he knows his shit. If it, I mean, if, you, if, it, if you didn't put out a good product and a good service, we wouldn't be talking or this, this podcast wouldn't be happening. The reason this is happening is because Gibson backs up what he says. You know, remember... Uh, Muhammad Ali was a you know quite the sarcastic and big headed all that, you know what did it float like a butterfly sting like a bee I'm gonna knock him out in the first round well guess what he knocked him out in the first round so he he backed up what he said now, I'm not saying you're anything like Muhammad Ali but I will say this you back up what you say when you say it's easy it's not easy for the Bruce Price of the world I I don't know shit from show when it comes to how to do a damn website but you do. And all I had to do is I remember this because it's been a minute since you since you first built them because we've been in business now since 2009, I guess. But what I remember was I would tell you what I want. Like, this is what I think you know, in my mind. This is what it's going to look like and what I want out of it. Or better yet, you would ask me probing questions to get me to tell you what you needed. And somehow from that shit, you create this unbelievable website that's got color, content, uh, <laughs> functionality. You know, I remember you saying things like, all right, Bruce, hold on a second. That shit ain't gonna work because that you can't, that ain't, you know, that, that is not the way to go to get what you want. What what you want is X and to get there, this is the way we, this is what we do it. I remember you talking to me at some point about the, you know, what, how we build the, the backside of the website where, where it works, like I want it to work. Uh, it was just, for me, it was just amazing. I was like, how in the hell does he know all this shit? Um, but, and you know, how do you fix it with your, I mean, I remember more than once calling you, you just, you pick me up on your cell phone and in minutes I was fixed, whatever, whatever, whatever problem I threw you and you might be at dinner or rocking a, rocking a baby to sleep or whatever you were doing. And you had, you know, you had the answer or you went and got it very quickly. So, I mean, I've always been super satisfied. In fact, those referrals you're talking about, there's one person I don't do anymore because of course you sold it. But when you had Zeke, there was one referral that I gave. It was only one, and it was called Dave Gibson. So, 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 from an entrepreneurial standpoint, first off, you got to be a super sales guy, which is what you are. I mean, the best thing you do is sell. But the reason you can sell is because what you're selling is always top quality product or service. And when we get to the end of this podcast, we tell them the big surprise about what you're doing now. I haven't had it yet. But I will, I will bet, I will bet it's quality, I mean, it's quality, quality stuff. So, okay, jump back in. So. We're, so we're, we're, you know, you're in Zeke, uh, you're building it, you got all the employees. Learning lots of lessons, 
you know, some of them the hard way. You know, I, I also learned that I was not a great manager of people. I was a good leader. You know, and how I, I differentiate this in my mind is if the boat's going down, I'm the guy standing saying, we need to veer over here and don't hit that sandbar and, and shoot over that direction. I'm not the guy to tell you how to row. I figure if you're on the boat, you better know how to row. If you're not, I'm probably not going to come down and give you a lesson. Like it's just, and so that was a hard thing for me to learn was, you know, to, to your point, I was, I knew enough about how it all worked to fix a lot of stuff myself because, you know, in computers, if it worked yesterday, it doesn't work today. You just look to see what changed. And usually if you just unchange it, it works again. Like <laughs> unplug it, plug it back in almost, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I understood the structure, how things were, how things functioned. And I had to learn them from the domain name all the way through. And part of that came from AT&T and part of that came from the other agency I worked for. And, but understanding, you know, how, how a website is accessed, you know, we, we, we saw a lot of interesting things happen under our watch. You know, one of them was, was mobile websites. We built some of the first ones in Alabama. I mean, Lulu's had one of the first mobile websites in the country, as far as I know, but we had that technology came out. In fact, when we started Zeke, there wasn't, there wasn't even iPhones when we started the company, right? And so a few few years later, you know, we're having to build mobile first. And then we had responsive websites that were both designed to work in both environments. SEO took huge changes. Social media came up and became a big deal. I got competition, which is something that hadn't really happened uh, a lot. For a long time, people would, you know, you people steered away from the do-it-yourself platforms because they were terrible. They looked terrible. They worked terrible. They were frustrating. Well, around 2015 or so, they were pretty good. I mean, WordPress was all the rage. Everybody wanted it. Squarespace was out. And and there were a few other platforms. Shopify was a big one. We used that a lot. And and people could get a great product for a, a lot less than you would think it should cost. You know, we never sold twenty and thirty thousand dollar websites. Our specialty was the, was the three thousand to eight thousand dollar website. And I always told my people, if somebody comes in the door with a twelve hundred dollar budget, our job is to build them the best website for twelve hundred dollars that we can. It's not to build them a two thousand dollar website for twelve hundred dollars. And there's a difference, you know. Yeah. You, know, you can you can be profitable on a six hundred dollar website if you only put a certain amount of time into it and you control the expectations and control the parameters under which you build it. Yeah. Now you got to do a lot of them, but that's okay. But you can do them quickly. We do them quickly. Uh, I and, remember, I remember back when you were actually doing websites yourself in the very beginning, it seemed to me, I may have these numbers wrong, but it seemed like you were doing like half of the websites and your whole team was doing the other half. Um, I, I'd kind of get them prepped. I mean, I, I, my CTO is a guy named Nick. Uh, I think you've met Nick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nick and I went to college together. And so Nick developed a platform called Typhoon, which was fantastic. I've heard of it. And it was, it predates WordPress, but it was a, it was a platform where clients could change their own content. Well, at first we didn't have clients changing their own content. We used it to change content. So we could build a website, you know, a theme or a template, you know, in, in Typhoon, make six copies of it, go through and change the graphics on the six and change the fonts and change the styles. And all of a sudden you have six different websites, but the guts only took a few seconds to copy. So, and when you're dealing with, with a dentist, you know, his website can look a lot like a plumber's website, 
you just change a few things. Just put teeth on it instead of a sink. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you, but it's, you use for your website? Bruce Jr. Bruce Jr. has got a small company. This is post post Zeke, but um, he's done most of his IT work himself. We use Webflow. 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 Yep. Yeah. And a great, I think a great tool set that you know these guys are charging you know, a monthly fee, which includes the hosting. You know, you get the website. Disadvantage to them is you you, you don't own anything when you leave. So you know once you're done with with the platform like Squarespace, you just basically turn it off and start over somewhere else. But that's okay, you know, in today's world. In the yeah. olden days, we were building websites that we passed down from generation to generation, like a castle or something. Yeah. Nowadays, people are like, ah, a website's, you know, it's got about a two-year shelf life. And I'm going to make, I'll use this one until it doesn't, you know, work anymore. And I'll go to the next one. And it's no longer the center of the universe. So between 2007 or eight and 2014 or 15, the website was the epicenter of everything. You know, oh, yeah. and people would hear stories that Dell computers sold a million dollars worth of computers on Twitter in one hour. And they'd be like, that's what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. or you'd have somebody come down and say, I just saw the Dollar Shave Club commercial. I want one just like it. Or they come in and say, I've got an idea for a business. It's like Facebook, but for dogs, you know, and you just never knew it was going to walk in the door. Yeah. And you, you try to be nice to everybody. You never something know. New, something new every day. Something new every day. Well, you know, now, Dave, so from the layman, so I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm the guy that don't know shit about, you know, how to build a, a website. And so for me, I think I did something similar where I said, hey, look, I kind of like the look of this. I like the you know, I like the way this works. I mean, we're, we're moving now to online coaching courses, and I've done the same yeah. thing. I found other other courses, not not coaching, but the other systems. And I said, I like, I like the way this one works. So can we make it can we make it function or look like that for so for a layperson that doesn't know the inner workings of of how you know websites and online courses and that sort of uh, apps and all that work I think you know we do that because we don't know so we just go can you make it look like that Well I think what's interesting is is I was around when this when the websites were a novelty right it was it was like you'd go to the website and you'd so as a visitor, you want the carpet rolled out and you want it to be amazing and you want to connect with everything and, and, and you want to be sold. You know, I want to, I want to experience this. Nowadays, websites are a bump in the road of 17 times you've got to talk to somebody to convince them to do business with you. So now, instead of being about this immersive, amazing experience, it's really about how fast can you tell me what I need to know? Can you do what I need? How fast can you tell that to me and how do I buy it? Like it's, it's just changed. We see so much so fast, you know, I mean, websites to a degree, if you look at most of them today, it's a big box with three small boxes and then another box. And then maybe a few, maybe some testimonials and then a footer. Like that's pretty much every website right now. Yeah. And it's a, it's a formula that works because people go on there. They, it's like, it's like a newspaper, you know, the front page of the newspaper, things are arranged in those blocks because customers know how to interact with it. Oh, that's an ad. I can gloss over that. And this is where the table of contents is. And here's the forecast and here's the stocks, you know, cause you can quickly intake the information you want to, you need to consume. And I think that's how the web is these days is that yeah. information is not about how glamorous you've made it. It's about how, quickly you can let somebody ingest what you're what you're trying to tell them yeah it's rare when i go and meet a new client now they all know about me before i ever meet them and they go oh no i don't i, I know all that I'm, i've already because what they did was they researched me on the web 
Uh, and they either they went to our website, they went to our LinkedIn page, they went to Facebook page. But they when I when I get there, I don't need to tell them what I do or who I am because they they they've already Googled me and figured it all out. And, and so maybe that's kind of what they use. And I think some some websites are for me really really good, really functional, really quick. And that's the ones I want. And some are terrible. I mean, even today, you know, you're like, oh crap, how do I get to where I want to be and where find what I want to find. When you were running Zeke, though, at its peak, how many how many employees did you have at the at the, the biggest the biggest point? Probably thirty. So remember, guys, this is thirty. This this isn't like thirty guys, you know, working for you at a Walmart or painting or these are thirty very creative guys. Not all of them, but most of them, really creative guys that are in a cubicle with their head down, doing their thing, and then Dave and his leadership team. You got to manage that. You got to manage each one of these creatives because if they work on if they work on a website, remember you and I do remember it seemed like there was a clock on their computer and they would start it and stop it as they were working on a on somebody's website. So you could tell them and you've got to somehow convince these creatives that we're in a money making business here. So every minute counts. And if if you have one that works for an hour on something going down the wrong rabbit trail. You got to go catch him and figure out. Wait a minute, back up. That's not what the guy said, or that's that doesn't look good. I remember you walking around b- before going, and so Gibson. Also, besides being the best salesman I've ever met in my life, <laughs> he 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 is super intuitive and super creative. Which I don't know that those always go together. I think those are normally you're one or the other. But Gibson Gibson's got them both. He's also a geek, so mm-hmm. he's a great sales guy. He he also has this very creative mind that, you know, can do that. But also he knows how to do the backside. So the geek, the the geekisms, which is all that stuff that, you know, in the beginning, I, I love the I love that you go in up shit, I don't know how to do this, but I can figure it out. And that's that's the Gibson I know. With whatever challenge mm-hmm. I give you, you go, ah, yeah, hold on a second. Uh and it'll probably take you a second. I mean, today is a whole different world. Today you're so knowledgeable, you're so confident. You've got so much experience that a lot of this is like you can do it with half your brain tied behind your back. But it, back in the day, that wasn't the case. You were actually going, this is a new, I mean, this is this is all new. We're going into a new place where there is no, I can't just go to, you know, whatever, like today, we've got all these platforms you can use. There was none. So you had to either make it or go and copy it and try to figure out how to, how to mm-hmm. duplicate it. So yeah. I'm very impressed with the way that you, with the, what was your big, what was your biggest challenge running these? 30 yahoos that were making websites for you? Probably the the hardest thing was dealing with the fact that there's a disparity with employees between their worth and their value. And and it's, it's, it's taken me kind of years to figure this out, which is that employees need to understand that the amount of money you're being compensated to do a job has nothing to do with what you're worth as a person has nothing to do with your value in, in society as a whole. It is it is simply a mathematical equation of what the company can afford to pay someone to do the work that's required. And that is really hard. I mean, you want to give raises. You want to give people more money. I'd give everybody a $100,000 a year salary in a Ferrari, you know, if it was up to me, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, myself included. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Paying for it's um, a problem. But it's, you know, and if you've got somebody who's doing support tickets, it's when you're when you're logging time properly. It's easy to look at that and say, "Well, the support team put in this many hours. We were able to bill this many hours. Therefore, there was this much profit, and because we had this much profit, I can pay these jobs this much." 
right? And, and, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes you're not going to make as much money as others. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Zeke's profit margins average year is 10 to 12%, you know? So if you think about, you know, every dollar we charge, the company, you know, got to keep that much. It's not as much as people think. I think technology companies are, everybody's getting to have uh, uh, pizza parties and beer parties and ping pong and all these things. And we just, I mean, you know, did it work? Well, we weren't charging. We were we were undercharging for websites, which meant that we didn't have as much cash as other companies who did what we did. So we couldn't pay what they paid. We were making up for it with the hosting revenue, which was great because eventually that's what you know became valuable to sell the company was the hosting revenue. But the hosting revenue also, in my my mind, was that's what will protect the company if we don't sell anything this month. If COVID or something happens and, and nobody's buying websites for you know 90 days, we're going to be okay because we have hosting money coming in. Yeah. So let's talk about it, just to make sure that the audience understands what you're talking about. So here's what Gibson would do. He would, so you go and go, hey man, I'm on, I need a website. All right, great. So you got to have somebody host it. And most clients, me included, I have no idea what that means or how to do it. And Gibson goes, I can do it for you. And if I remember it wasn't a great deal of monthly a fee. The, fee, the monthly fee wasn't a big fee, mm-hmm. but it was every month and it was times. So tell me this number, if you don't mind sharing, if you do, just tell mm-hmm. me how many at the peak of Zeke, how many websites did you host? Probably around 1,200. Okay. So let's just round that down to a thousand for easy numbers. But so guys, every month he is getting a hosting fee off of 1,200 clients every month, no matter what. Yeah. And that hosting fee, by the way, you got to have somebody to host it. And I mean, Gibson, I mean, I'm, I'm still there. I'm with the company he sold to still <laughs> not happy. I called him the other day and said, all right, call these motherfuckers because I ain't happy with this shit. <laughs> but but cause it's, because it's because it's not Dave, you know, back in the Zeke yeah. day, I could call the owner, founder of the company. And I don't know if everybody did that. Maybe they did. But I had. You know, I've, today I've got his cell phone. I can call him and go, I, I, I am not happy. And I'm telling you, 100% of the time, whatever I wasn't happy about got fixed, and it got fixed really quickly. But that hosting idea is another entrepreneur. So you're building all these websites, and they're going to come and go. And there's really no value mm-hmm. in that because I gave you five grand. You build me a website. We're done. That five grand's gone. But the hosting money, mm-hmm. every month that hosting money comes in, and it comes in times 1,200 clients. That's what the value, you know, that's where that value. And you had to, you had to have the forethought to go, all right, hold on a minute. Now, the, there's not a lot of value in, in building these things or creating these things. Where's the value of my company when I get ready to exit? And the value is that hosting money. Correct. And, and that's what, you know, I mentioned the word churn earlier. Anytime you've got recurring business, recurring clients, you, you look at your churn. And churn basically just tells you how many people are leaving on a monthly basis. You know, and, and you know, <laughs> we would take it personal. It's like a stab to the heart when somebody left, you know, but companies close and they, that happens. Companies merge. That happens. People leave. You know, that happens when they leave. Somebody else new comes in and sometimes you stay and sometimes you don't. But we work really hard to make make it hard to leave us. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that we did the rollover time and that saved us more than anything else because invariably somebody would say, well, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go get a new website somewhere. I go, wait a minute. You know, you've got you've got eight hours banked up. Why don't we put that to good use? <laughs> you know, let's use your eight hours towards a new website. Yeah. And then you would host so it. All those, and, and we host And they would host it. Yeah. Well, see, you do, the, you do the same thing to me. For me, I mean, I was the same way. I don't, I don't want to be nickel and dimed. I got, 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I want something changed on my website, I want it changed. And I never, I never once remember, even to this day, I never remember being put off by, by thinking I was being nickel to dime. I just, it never happened because I had those, those minutes, which I, I, I probably have a lot stacked up now because I don't <laughs> yeah, have, I do. <laughs> have done any maintenance. But, but again, yeah. again, that's another entrepreneurial, like, how do I, how do I make my company different from my competitor? And one way you did it was you have this rollover time where eventually you have, if you know, unless you're a pain in the ass and you got a lot of changes, eventually you've got enough time rolled over so you can have any change you made done. You're not paying yep. any extra money. It's part of your deal, part of your hosting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or, or let's say that, you know, we were really, really big. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, but we had what we call good touches and bad touches. And a bad touch is like a, it's like an invoice, right? Somebody or something goes down or a domain doesn't get renewed. And that's a bad touch. Client has a bad experience with you. And, and we always wanted to try to make sure people had more good touches than bad touches. You know, so a good touch is, hey, I saw you on the BBJ and congratulations on this. Or, hey, um, I was on your website, noticed that you haven't updated your blogs in a year and a half. What if we just take the dates off there so you still have the posts, but they don't look like they're outdated? And so we were constantly trying to, you know, our salespeople were, were all given a, a book of accountants, accounts to keep, keep happy and try to upsell, of course, you know, sell them on new website, upgrade, sell them on SEO, sell them on, you know, get referrals from them. I mean, so we, we worked really hard to, to serve service the customer. But again, I really thought of Ziki more of a service business than a product business. Um, website companies would be, say, they're product companies. Now, today it's changing, I mean, because SEO and and these things are so important that that is a service people buy. We probably, I mean, we didn't sell nearly as much into the SEO, our client base as we, as we probably should have. Um, our folks were so busy, our salespeople with referrals. I mean, we, we, if I told you we had 50 leads a month come in the door, it's about right. You yeah. know, and that was people who saw our, our name of the bottle website and said, Oh, y'all do Rick and Bubba's website. We want to, can you do ours? Yeah. Or Bruce Bright says, Hey, you need to call my friend Dave. Well, I tell you, I've got, I am, I'm not a big business, but I'm connected to a lot of people. I've, I've only ever given one referral and it's called Dave Gibson. I mean, I'm, is it because <laughs> it's so for me, that's like the, you know, that I forget who does this, but there's a, commercial on TV and they have an easy button is a big old red button yep. says easy. Yep. Dave Gibson's my easy button. Cause yep. if I've got an IT issue, <laughs> even today, you know, you're not in the business anymore, but today you know who I call. I don't call bell. I call Dave Gibson. Like, Hey man, what the fuck's going on with this shit? Ain't no work. It's not working. Yep. So, well, and, fix it. and you fix it. it. Yeah. You fix it. You yeah. fix it for me. And you're not even doing it. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, so at some point you decided that um, you're going to exit, you're going to exit stage left and, Get, get out of that business. What what caused that to happen? Um, it's kind of a series of things. Uh, I had a, a business partner I mentioned early. He came in the company about 2006. Clark? And Clark. Yeah. And he ended up moving to... Pensacola. Pensacola, near Pensacola, Florida. And his wife got a great job with, with Southern Company or Gulf Power. I mean, she was a, a high roller there. I mean, she was a I mean, high up the food chain. So yeah. they, they definitely had to make the move. And when he did, it things started to kind of break. He was moving to a new town with, with two kids that they knew, they knew nobody. His wife was working a bunch of hours because she's new at her job. And it was really, I think, hard for him to do the sales job he was doing in Birmingham from down there. We, you know, this is well before anybody. I mean, there was no Zoom back then. Yeah. We didn't do video conferences. We didn't have remote workers. 
you know, so, so when he moved down, it put a lot of stress on me to kind of take over some of the sales responsibilities and babysitting. We hired a coach to come in and help teach him how to manage people remotely. Ultimately the sales people we had weren't responding well to it. Uh, we had somebody had a, was going through a bad divorce and they were problem. And it just, just a hot, hot combination of, of just some bad, bad things going on in yeah. sales. I, I remember and, this. <laughs> I was trying, you know, my best to keep everything else going. And Clark decided he wanted to, you know, exit the company and, 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 and no longer work there. And I said, that's, that's fine. I mean, I understand. I, I don't disagree with that decision. He and I had had some discussions about trying to get him to drive up once a week and do a day with the sales team. He's in a small town. There's nothing south of you but ocean. You know, he wasn't making the sales numbers he was making so personally. So that it, so his sales weren't there. I know he was stressed out. So him leaving the company was, was absolutely the best thing for him. And when he did, I was all about him, you know, keeping the shares in the, in the business. Yeah, I own stock in lots of places I don't work, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to, he wanted to sell his shares um, and, you know, just wash his hands of all of it. So we hired an attorney to kind of go through the buy-sell agreement and see what was equitable. And then what the buy-sell said was, was the right thing to do. And at the same time, we said, why don't you see if we can find somebody to buy Clark shares and I'll even put some more of my shares on the table to make that a good deal for somebody. We were thinking that there might be a, a media company or a you know radio station conglomerate or a you know a, a newspaper conglomerate that would want to buy part of the business, you know either Clark shares or or you know some of mine as well, and I could basically try to find somebody who had a sales team. So what they would bring to the table would be the sales, and I could keep doing what I'm doing. Ultimately, we we couldn't work that out, uh, so I ended up just writing him a check, and he left the company. He went away. He went away. Yeah. And uh, so now you decide you're going to sell. Well, I know at that time I said I was going to double down. <laughs> so I started doing all of it and it got harder and harder. And the company was always growing. We grew every year. Um, we grew and we were growing. Technology is getting a little bit more tricky. Responsibilities get more tricky. I, I kind of would wake up in the morning and go, who's going to kick me in the face first, an employee issue or a client or a client issue? Yeah. Like it was just like, that's not fun. That's not a way to, yeah, that's not a way to live your life. No. And I was, you know, I, I was from the production team, which I I always liked to do, but now I was having to run the SEO department because we had the guy who ran the SEO department was really close to Clark. And when Clark was no longer with the company, we decided it was best that he part ways. Yeah. So now I've got the SEO team coming to me i've got the sales team i've got you got everybody all these everybody yeah. it, it, it it got to the point where it was like i was like this isn't fun and then i started thinking about my kids i'm like what's the future of this thing am i gonna leave this to my kids there's no way i want them doing this like they're not gonna want to do this yeah and of course they were six so yeah, like, yeah. Be, a, be, be a minute before they could do it but the uh the attorney who we had contracted to help clark and i i'd stayed in touch with him and i said well you know keep looking to see if we can find somebody who'd come in and buy part of the company I'd be really interested in either selling enough of it that I have a path to get out of it or somebody can just come in here and truly help me. And um, he ended up finding a company who was willing to write a check for the whole thing. Ooh, and, you know, it was about, yeah, well, it was about six months after, after Clark had left. I wish he'd held on to his shares, but you know, we, he, uh, the attorney spoke to the, the Bell media who ended up buying the company and said, Hey, here's, here's this company and they're looking to, you know, if you, if you make an offer, they might entertain it. And so they made an offer and I entertained it. There and we go. actually closed, closed on the deal 90 days later. Good for you, my friend. 
Thank you. Lot, well, lots and be- lots of hard work to get to that point. Well, it, it was, and a lot, lot of, lot of hard work from a lot of people. Yeah, I, I did not, you know, think I'd sell it as soon as I did. But the, the way the offer was structured, it was very favorable to me. It was obviously wanted the company. I could have probably grown it twenty or thirty percent more, and 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 not gotten the the terms that we worked out, which is really what was so the important part for me was, you know, if somebody does a a five year earnout with you, you know. And you don't control it. You you don't you can't help what they do to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So this was very much a situation where I could control the destiny of the company, and I was incentivized to help keep the customers from leaving. I mean, they were really. Uh, I think they had big plans for the company, and so for me, it was the right thing to do. Uh, I worked there for a year after the that's, uh, sale. That's fairly common. Babysit. Yeah, it's common. And then we decided, um, I don't. We don't need to be in Birmingham anymore. And yeah, so, so move to the beach. Move to Fairhope, Alabama. Yeah. A nice little place. And it's uh it beautiful. My wife had wanted to live here all of her life. And um so we we decided, well, let's let's try it. The girls are young enough that if we if we hate it, we can go somewhere else. Uh, I have a I I had four years left of my non compete with them. I think they've really overestimated my desire to build websites again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um well, that's great. Yeah, but so all right. So look again out there, all those potential entrepreneurs that are looking to do to do something entrepreneurial. You worked really hard for a number of years. You came to a point where you went, all right. Right now, it's more advantageous for me to get out of this. So build it mm-hmm. and then sell it. That's your exit strategy. You did that. Mm-hmm. You moved to the place. It's a, it's a gorgeous community uh, where the Gibsons are. It's, I've been there many times. And it's anybody would love it. Your wife want to go there. It's a plus anytime you make mama happy. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have a job, so you're jobless. And so let's let's close out telling them what the <laughs> new entrepreneurial path is for well, Dave Gibson. <laughs> let me let me take a little quick little detour. Okay, I get all, right, that. all right, all right. So bought the house on Valentine's Day, February twenty twenty. Right. Okay. Six weeks later, the world shuts down for COVID. And all I could keep thinking to myself was, I am so glad I am out. Because if I had held Zeke during the COVID days, I don't know that I would have done as well as my friends who had businesses. I, I My nature, I think I'd have probably had a heart attack. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. It was very stressful for, for a lot of people. And I, I am was just so like, golly, that's God, you know, make it tell you, <laughs> validating you did the right thing. So we moved down here in the middle of COVID. Our kids went to school remotely back at, in Hoover uh, from here. They were just super remote <laughs> compared to some of the other kids they went to school with. And uh, Cassidy launched her photography business in the middle of the um, pandemic in a town that's you know one-tenth the size of Birmingham, mm-hmm. if not smaller, where we know nobody. And she does commercial photography in a town that doesn't really have a, a whole lot of commercial activity at that level. But she she's killing it. You know, we I've helped her a little bit, but she has uh, her business has grown, 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 grown. She's working with tons of cool people and tons of cool companies. Uh, so I get to help her. And during this time of her life, we we when we when we sold the business and we sold Ziki, we had the photography part of the company and we peeled it out of the sale. We said, okay, Cassie's once going to do this full time. We're going to keep it, and so we changed the name. We, we created a company called Focus Creative, 
And so she went by the name Focus Birmingham. And uh, I mean, she was doing really well with a lot of clients, that's people who still knew me that needed, needed photography work. We moved down here. We're like, we can't call it Focus Birmingham anymore. So ta-da, Focus Fairhope did that. But what we thought was interesting is I had gotten certified in StoryBrand. I don't know if you're familiar with StoryBrand. I highly recommend any entrepreneur to read Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Um, I remember you, you, went, you went away and did you go to some conference? Yeah. Or yeah I remember when you came yeah, back, you I, were extremely fired up. I was certified in StoryBrand. It was great. And I actually thought that Bell would want to use that skill set with their clients because uh, it can make things so much easier and faster. But they, they chose not to do that. And then, of course, we moved down to this town where we know nobody. There's no Chamber of Commerce meetings going on. And I can't sell StoryBrand. <laughs> um, I also realized about StoryBrand that I'm a great idea guy. Like I'm, a, I'm great at coming up with the idea and the picture and the vision, mm-hmm. but I'm a terrible writer. And that's what you've got to be pretty good at to do story. <laughs> you've got to be a good a writer. And I also can't build your website. So that's the other thing. Story brand's really good at helping people get all their stuff together for their website that I couldn't build you. Got so a little like, well, was, going. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is, this is great for me to have. It's like being CPR certified, right? I, if I ever need it, it's there, but I, I'm not going to use it every day. Yeah. And dang sure, dang sure can't make a living at it. So, um, what we did with Cassidy is we came up with this idea to do a licensing business for her. So instead of franchising, we've created a licensing program and we have a licensee in Birmingham who came in, paid a licensing fee, and they use all of her materials, all of her marketing, all of her branding, all of her contracts, all of her vision under Focus Birmingham. And he's crushing it. For that guy, he got to go have a whole business in a box handed to him, everything he needed to get started, except the camera. And just pick up where Cassidy left off, which has been fantastic. And then Focus Fairhope down here is killing it. And I met with an old friend of mine when I came down here. And I said, what have you been doing? He said, well, I'm consulting on this restaurant space. Used to be the old Judge Roy Beans, which if people don't know Judge Roy Beans, it's it was to the eastern shore of Alabama what Studio 54 was to New York. Wow. Everybody went there. Uh, Jimmy's parents lived nearby, so he played there a lot. Just show up and play. Jimmy who? In fact, he, Jimmy Buff. There you go. Uh, make sure we and know. People would call. People would call on the phone and say, "Is Jimmy playing tonight?" And the answer was always, "Well, you never know who's going to show up." Lucy's uh, was there so much that she's in a magazine article quoted as saying, "Well, my kids are growing up. They had two phone numbers: mamas and judges." So this place was awesome, and it burned to the ground in '99. And a few years later, the guy who owned it passed away. Oh man! And so. I mean, they, they sold it down to the boards. Like, there's nothing left of it. Uh, it would burn, but the stuff that didn't burn, they, they, they salvaged and people bought it. In fact, there's a guy I met a few weeks ago who was making picture frames out of some of the old out of wood. Yeah, the wood. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Really cool. Um, but I said to the guy, I said, you know, y'all ought to consider doing a distillery there because there's not one down here and it'd be really cool to do a distillery. And they kind of pushed back and said, oh, that's complicated and that's hard. And, you know, I don't think they want to do that. And I said, okay, well, I got home and thought, started thinking about it. I'm like, that's a pretty dang good idea. So I went and got a trademark on Judge Roy Bean Spirits. And I sat on it for about a year. And about a year later, I was, it was like last July, I was talking to my brother-in-law and said, you know, I wonder what it would take to just private label some bourbon, just get, get some bourbon and white label it, you know, sell it underneath the brand Judge Roy Beans. Because I own the trademark, I could use it. And by the way, since then, the, that project, the 
the property fell apart. It's still sitting there empty. And he, he said, well, good. Find out. Well, I called a buddy of mine who has a distillery in Atmore, Alabama, and I said, I want to do this. I and told my idea. He said, well, he said, I will tell you that I don't want to just take other people's bourbon and stick it in a bottle. He said, you've got to do something to it to make it unique. So it came up with the idea of taking charred pecan wood and adding it to the barrel and letting it sit. So we're finishing the bourbon in this pecan wood. And um, we actually bottled it last week and i will be on the shelves in alabama the first of october with my own bourbon called judge roy bean spirits judge roy bean and it's you know i i I knew nothing about this industry and i said to myself well i didn't think about websites i actually drank more bourbon before starting this company than i had been on websites before starting ziki so I have learned a lot. I've learned a lot really. It's, it's the slowest business I've ever seen, but it's also the nicest. I mean, you know, in marketing, and Bruce, you've seen this, people, everybody's going to tell you the thousand things that the last company did wrong and how stupid they were and how their nerds are the smartest nerds and how dare you hire other nerds to do anything around marketing or technology. I mean, it's just this cutthroat world. In bourbon, everybody's so nice. They're all like, oh, I've got a great connection on boxes. You need to call so-and-so and tell, you know, tell my sentient and they'll get you a great deal on boxes. Oh, you need to use these caps. These corks work better than those caps because the they'll take more moisture. I mean, like, it's just been crazy. I, yeah. Yeah. I've got to be friends with with all the, the, the folks in town who do this, but we'll see what happens. I'm excited. It's something brand new. It's kind of funny because I think, you know, the, the, the Judge Roy Bean connections through the, the Margaritaville work and, and Lulu's and stuff is, is a great from a story perspective. But I think that I'm uniquely positioned with this because I did the work on Bourbonham's website for a couple of years. So I knew the people of the state who can help make things happen. And then, of course, at Ziki, I had so many restaurant clients. So it's really easy for me to go knock on the door of Lulu's and Baumhauer's and Pink Pony Pub and say, hey, remember me? Hey, I'm back. I got bourbon now. (laughs) Look what I got now. But I was was a bartender for about 10 years after college. So I understand that side of the bar. And um you know, I, this is highly regulated. That's probably the hardest thing for me to remember is this is a controlled substance and it's regulated and they count every bottle. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to, you know, the website, internet's pretty, pretty loosey-goosey. Yeah, it's a wild, wild, wild west. west. <laughs> this is uh, not very so, much like... Yeah, not so much with liquor. No, well, you said you have 1,087 bottles and I only see that 1,085 bottles are on, on hand. Where do those two bottles go? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I think I drank them. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no clue. I wish I knew, but no, it's... It's good. I, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is that I think this industry is completely different. You know, I've always sold time for money. And then we got the hosting piece, which was, which was, which was that helped a lot in, in securing the future of the, of the business. I knew that, that at some point, probably 2012, I knew that if I ever sold the company, it'd be, it'd be the hosting that well, made the money to sell it. Yeah. This business is the opposite. The only thing I have to sell if I ever sell this company is a brand. I don't own a barrel. I don't own a building. I don't have a, I don't have anything. I don't have any bottles anymore. Like it's, um, I'll, you know, you, you were able to do this whole business. It's almost turnkey. We have got it set up to where we don't have to have to hold anything. It's all going to move to the state as quick as we make it. But if my egg, my exit strategy for this company has got to be based around distribution and brand. So it's a completely different mindset as far as thinking about, you know, what do I want to do with this thing? Yeah. So, you know, I told everybody we had a big surprise at the end. So we've gone from working at companies 
entrepreneur at Zeke, grew that thing like a madman, sold it to a large media company and retired, if you will, at a very young age to fair open, decided, you know what, uh, we're going to do two things. We're going to do this unbelievable photography business, which I know Dave's wife personally, she is super good at everything she does. And she has done photography for me when she was here in Birmingham. I mean, it's over the top. So we go back again to, you got to be a good salesman and you are, I think you can sell umbrellas in the desert, but you also have to have a good product because if you have a bad product, you can sell it once and then the word gets out, hey, don't you know, do that. But if you have a great product or great service, the, the second sale and the third sale are much easier because you've got guys like Bruce Bright. And I'm saying, hey, he's a good dude and he's got a great product and a great service. And uh, and I can't wait to get my hands. I think the Judge Roy Bean's going to be on the shelf in the, uh, the first week of October. Correct. Correct. And I've, I've, And where I'll, else is it going to be? Is it just Alabama or is it nationwide? Just Alabama for right now. Uh, you know, in fact, in Alabama, they're my only customer is the state of Alabama. Everybody in the state buys from the state, so I have one customer. Okay, <laughs> but you know, if, if it goes well, uh, the the trick here is that I'm this is a nostalgia brand. You know, it's definitely I don't know if anybody north of I ten's ever heard of Judge Roy Beans, so I've got to figure that piece out. Now there is real history. He was a real judge in Texas in the nineteen nineties, eighteen nineties. There is a Judge Roy Bean Saloon in Manhattan. There's a Judge Roy Bean Public House. You know, there's a Judge Roy Beans in Ireland. So it's not unique to hear the guy who had the bar, just like the name. Yeah. Um, I get to play in kind of both legends. I get to play in the the Western, you know, part of the the brand, and I also get to play in the uh, the local part. But like the here locally, the the bar had a, a goat that walked around the bar. Like the places. I mean, it was dirt floors, and and everybody down here has a story. Oh, I mean, yeah, everybody, and they'll tell you like the lady who runs a chamber of commerce said, "Oh, I spent my whole thirtieth birthday there with a chicken under my arm." I'm like, <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah, well, um, you need to get her to do a testimonial for you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I know another guy who sold his business, a software company, is big big time, and he's like, "Yeah, I remember Judge Roy Beans. It was a a dirt floor goat and a good time." And I'm like, "Well, there's your tagline." So. uh we have the domain name is drinkwithagoat.com, which I think is fun because it plays off yeah. goat. I saw the video. Levels. You sent me a cool advertising video. That's probably one you'll use somewhere down the road. That was yep. Yep. very cool. Sneak peek. Well, I'm going to guess, uh, haven't tasted it yet. I will in the first week in October because I'll go here. I'm going to encourage anybody to listen to this podcast. If you're in Alabama, go to your local ABC store and buy every bottle that's, that they've got. Just buy everything they have. Let's get it started <laughs> yeah. uh, for Gibson and this Judge Roy Bean. But this is just awesome. another step. And I, I know you're not done because you, you're you're at an age where you've got a lot, you got a long way to go in life. And I'll, I'll guarantee you there's going to be another podcast of you because I don't know what's coming after Judge Roy Bean, but there's something. And when we do, <laughs> I'm going to bring you back home. But guys, if you if you if you didn't hear the story, I hope you did. But this is entrepreneurship 101. Listen to what Gibson did, the way he did it, and the motivation he had while you know while he was doing, it. and he's still doing it. I mean, entrepreneurs never die. I mean, you do it until you mm-hmm. do it until you die because it's in your blood, and you're trying to solve a problem. Uh, and everywhere you go, and so the first one was you know the the websites and the services and the hosting, and now we we moved into bourbon. And I'm I'm super excited for you. Uh, I will get a bottle as soon as it hits the shelves, and I'll <laughs> I'll give you some feedback. Uh, I might, right, I might have really a drink. I have a drink of it on the next the, on the next podcast. But I want to tell you, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Is there a website for this Judge Roy Bean where you can't buy liquor online? So I guess there maybe not. No, but I think uh, drinkwiththegoat.com, I'll have t-shirts and hats and um, all those things. It's uh, you know, I'm a. I think I've had several people tell me that the 
they think I'll make more money on the swag than I will on the liquor. Well, you might. It, it depends. Yeah, well, you might. You might not. Uh, I know right now. If you look at Jimmy Buffett, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, swag that you can buy at any one of his hotels, restaurants, or concerts. Yep. Well, that's the funny thing. So Lucy will tell the story sometimes. Where you know, when Jimmy walked around Lulu's the first time, he said, "I got three words for you: t-shirts, hats, and koozies." You know, it's it's funny because I mean, you know, I, I can make more money off a hat than I can off a bottle of bourbon. Well, because the state the state charges marks it up so much that you know hats and t shirts don't expire; they're not controlled substances. Well, I can I can give those away. You, you seen you seen the TV show Moonshiners? Maybe you should put some in the back right. of a pickup truck and haul ass across the state selling it. I know they get you in trouble. I know there's a very very regulated. Uh, up until this week, I was in the back of my mind. I was concerned that what I was going to end up with was 1,085 Christmas gifts the next 20 years because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> – the state hadn't approved it. I couldn't sell it. I can't even knock on doors or anybody taste it until the approval came through today. So yeah, it's well, congrats, a big day. And, yeah, congratulations on the approval. I can't wait to get a taste of it. Remember, it's uh, give us the website again, drinkwiththegoat.com. Drinkwiththegoat.com. Anybody wants to find me, you can find me on targetleading.com. Dave, it's been such a good time to spend an hour or so with you today and learn about your the past, how you did it, Zeke, and now your bourbon. And uh, I wish you the best with it. I'm, I can tell you now, I will have a shelf full of it as soon as it hits it, to the stores up here, <laughs> well, and I'll keep promoting well, it for you. you. Thank you. I have absolutely enjoyed catching up with you and, and, and get, let me do this with you. You know, it's true to memory lane. It's, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I, I, I have always enjoyed – learning from you. You've been a great inspiration and, and, a, and a great mentor and, and help to me over the years. So thank you again for, for all of that. But uh, uh, I look forward to, to drinking one of these these bourbons with you. I mean, you may, they may, may have to have you fly down and we'll drink some of them. I, I may Secret fly down. Number the, two. How far are you from the Fairhope Airport? Uh, five minutes. Okay. I'll fly down there and we can, <laughs> we'll, we'll drink it on you. Look, man, uh, <laughs> give all the beautiful women in your life. You have three of them that are gorgeous. Give them a hug and a kiss from Dr. Bright. And uh, so it. much appreciate your time today. And uh, you guys go to drinkwiththegoat.com and um, get you some hats and koozies and T-shirts. And when the liquor hits the store, if you're in Alabama, go and buy everything they've got. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. We love you. Thank you. All right, Thank man. you, buddy. See you, man. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.